morning. As we begin today, uh, we will begin as we as become the custom with the Apostles' Creed. So please stand with me and read it. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you with thanks today for granting us the privilege to come together here on this college campus to praise and worship you and to learn more about you. We know, Lord, that everything on earth owes its existence to your creative work. And we know that you uphold it all by the word of your power. We recognize and we profess, Father, that you are sovereign over all things. And that not a hair can even fall from our head unless you yourself have decreed it. But we also confess, Father, that uh, we are continually plagued by doubts and fears that we feel anxiety, we are troubled by the cares of this world, we feel uncertain in the face of uh, manifest injustices, diseases and illnesses, by social upheavals, and increasingly by political instability. Father, we confess that our first response to all these things has been to lean on our own understanding rather than bow in humble submission to you. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us our lack of faith in the face of trials that you, in your wisdom, have chosen for us. Father, we also confess our tendency to ignore your abundant grace to us, even in uh, seasons of difficulty like we face right now. We thank you, Father, for the beauty of your creation this fall season, and we thank you for your sustaining hand here on campus, for the gift of a a thriving community of like-minded believers, and for the uh, wonderful fellowship we enjoy in this community. We pray, Father, that you would glorify your name through our efforts here. And we thank you for the honor you have given us to 
play a role, however small, in advancing your kingdom. Father, we pray that you would grant us your spirit, that you would fill us with a deep love for Christ, and that you would unite us together in unity in your truth. We pray, Lord, that we would uh, rest in your work, that we would remember that you are God, and that all things work together for the good of those who love you. We ask, Lord, that you would impress this truth on our hearts, enabling us to face with confidence a future that we know and we confess you have foreordained. Father, we also pray for patience. We pray that you would sustain us through the remainder of this college semester and that you would enable us to finish strong the race you have set before us. Father, we ask that you would grant us wisdom and discernment and courage in a world that has become progressively more complex, a world in which we truly are required to be as wise as serpents and yet as innocent as doves. Father, we pray that you will enable us now and in the future to uh, stand strong for your truth in the face of great adversity, even great animosity. We pray, Lord, that we would boldly confess our faith in Jesus and our submission to his authority. Father, we pray for the relief that only you can bring, but a relief that brings faith and repentance and not one that uh, merely allows, enables further complacency and rebellion against you. Grant us eyes of faith, Lord, so we remain faithful to your word and rest in your promises, even when, by all appearances, they begin to seem somewhat implausible. We believe in your faithful testimony, but we ask that you help us in our unbelief. And now, Father, we turn together and pray the prayer your Son has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
Good morning. Psalm 46 isn't just a very appropriate psalm for Reformation Week. Uh, it's also a psalm that shows us, gives us a picture of what it is for the Lord to be our master and commander, especially when the earth is so tumultuous it seems like it's falling apart at the seams. So let's stand and read Psalm 46 together. Would you read with me? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. I want you to know as we get started this morning that um, you are making me proud to be the president of Geneva College. I'm really thankful for all of you. I was speaking to a faculty member yesterday, and they were um, talking about the grace expressed to them by our students And that certainly has been my experience and one I've heard from many, many people. It's a time for grace and charity towards one another. And we're blessed to have you as students. And I'm really thankful for all of you. And we're going to work hard uh, on the way to Thanksgiving, a month away. We're going to make it, but not in our own strength. We're going to make it by God's grace. And so this morning, we want to get ourselves reoriented as we do at chapel time. Um, on the, the one person, the one living and true God who can and who is upholding us. Our theme in chapel, as you know, is, is really about knowing God. And I want you to think about why we're doing this, because we need to know our God in trying times, in the testing times that we're in right now, and we're, faced, we're being proven We're being changed. We don't feel like it. But the Lord is having his way with us, and it's a good way, just not always an easy 
way. And so you know how much I like to start with questions. So here's my question for the morning for you. How would you describe COVID-19 fatigue? I don't want to put yourself 10, 20 years down the road and someone says to you, well, what was it like for you? And, and I want you to think, how would you describe it? How would you describe COVID-19 fatigue? Now, this is not something we've been through before exactly. So we have to work on analogies. What analogy would you make in your experience or some other time that you've learned about in history, perhaps? How would you describe it? It's not easy. I don't have a magical suggestion. I've been, I've been thinking about this. One of the ways I would describe it is um, if you've ever driven in dense fog in a strange place, a road you don't know well. Uh, that's happened to me on a number of occasions in a number, number of places. And you're in dense fog, day or night, you don't know which way the road turns, and it takes every, every aspect of your person to be able to keep going. And so you're driving, and you're having to pay attention to stuff you don't usually have to pay attention to when you drive. Now, if you're doing that, sometimes it helps, because I've gotten fatigued that way, uh, to pull over at a coffee shop, a gas station, get out, get something to drink, get away from it, Right? And sometimes the fog breaks. But COVID-19 fatigue is like having to get back in the car and go back into that thick fog. The rest is good. The rest helps. But it doesn't fundamentally change the conditions and the fatigue isn't mostly solvable by sleep. And it's not mostly solvable by just checking out because when you come back to it, there it is again. And so we feel that kind of burden. And we're in a time of transition and burden. If you are taking notes today, I'd encourage you to write down transition and burden. Because we feel the burden and we don't know what's going to happen next. It's very hard for us as human beings to be in a context where we ask what's going to happen next in our life, right? What's going to happen next in a movie we're watching is no big deal, right? That's the entertainment value. But when we're living it, to seriously ask the question, what's going to happen next, and to not know the answer, and to know we can't know the answer, creates a burden. All of us are in this place together. If someone tells you they know what's going to happen next in the practical effects of this disease, they are speculating or lying. We don't know what's going to happen next. And so we ask, what will become of me? What will become of me? What's going to happen to me? And we ask it not only for ourselves personally, we ask it for others. What what will become of us? What will become of my family? What will become of my country? And we don't have good answers to that. We don't know. 
So times of transition and burden like we're in create real challenges for us. And I want to remind you today that God has been preparing us for this. We've said this before, but you need to hear it again and again. God knew the fog was coming in. God knew we were going to be on this road. God knew that we were going to be challenged and burdened in transition. And we're right where we're supposed to be. You were born on the day you were born by God's design and purpose to be living right now. And so was I way back in 1961. I feel like you're getting an old guy message today. I can't help it when I was born. But we're right where we need to be, where we can learn from the Lord. We need to know that it's precisely in times like this that faith in Christ emerges in all of its glory and its brilliance because of Christ, not because of us, not because of the circumstances, but because of who he is. And that's what we want to know together more deeply. So we want to have faith in Christ in this moment. So we need to listen to him and his word. So please look in your bulletin or if you have your Bible with you, we're going to read Joshua 5, 10 to 15, and then think about it together uh, for a few minutes this morning. Joshua 5, 10 to 15. This is the one living word you will hear this morning. This is unlike any textbook you have to read or any web page or any text or tw- tweet or uh, anything else that we might read. This is God's word. It is living and active. It is completely faithful and true without error. It never wanders from truthfulness and faithfulness. Please hear God's word as I read it in your presence this morning. Joshua 5, 10 to 15. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, They ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold... A man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is the word of the Lord. 
Okay. So first we need to think about Joshua. This is one of my favorite Bible stories. Uh, but despite that, there's real, real incredible value to us today, I think, in it. Joshua is in command. Joshua is in command. He's taken over from Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain and dies. Joshua has been in training with Moses for 40 plus years. He's been watching and listening and learning and acting at Moses' command. And now Joshua is in command. And he knows what he's in command of. He's been to the promised land before. He was one of the spies that went into the land. He knows how powerful the people of Canaan are. He also knows the Lord. So... I want you to think about the transitional moment that Joshua finds himself in. Just a couple of highlights that that occur right before this passage. The people of Israel crossed the Jordan River. A biblical miracle that gets referenced over and over and over again in the Psalms, in the history books, People talk about the Jordan, crossing the Jordan on foot, on dry land, over and over and over again. Spectacular, shocking kind of thing that God does for the whole people. So that's just happened. And then some things happen that are important in the life of Israel that haven't happened. This is a generational transition. Joshua, Moses, and the people of Israel have been 40 years. A whole generation has passed living in tents in the wilderness. Those of you that like the outdoors and maybe have gone on uh, trips, outdoor trips and things like that uh, into rugged wilderness areas, 40 years with your family. That's over. And so circumcision is reinstituted. So everyone gets circumcised, and this has just happened in a number of days. They celebrate the Passover, and all of a sudden, the manna stops. These are massive cultural transitions for the people. They're massive. Everything is changing, and now they're in Canaan, and they're supposed to go to war. So there's already a lot of transition and burden on Joshua. And, and just so you remember, Joshua has already talked, has, he's already spoken with the Lord. The passage you may be most familiar with from Joshua is in uh, Joshua 1, 5 to 7. I'll read it real quickly here. Joshua 1, 5 to 7. And this is what God says to Joshua. Now, it sounds like he's saying it in person. He doesn't, God doesn't send a prophet as far as we know. And God ordinarily spoke with Moses face to face as a man. So God is saying to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Don't forget that statement. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Amazing promise. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This is the Bible story we hear the most. Only be strong and very courageous. This is a theme that's not only given to Joshua, but it's given to others. And God says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, you have to remember that as you think about our story. What happens as as Joshua is on the plains of Jericho? A man comes up to him with a drawn sword. Now, this is not a cartoon. This is not a Marvel movie. This is not some... Tolkien movie where a giant comes. This is a man that comes to stand before him. We have no indication. When Goliath is in the Bible, the Bible tells you he was nine feet tall and he was massive. This is a man coming to Joshua with a drawn sword. Now remember what God had said. No man shall be able to stand before you. And Joshua is... Not only a warrior, but he's certainly a warrior. So he goes up to him. He's going to confront him. He has confidence. He should have confidence. God told him. And what does he say? And this is the beauty of the scriptures. This is one of the things I love about the scriptures. Joshua asks our question. He asks our question. Right? Welcome to election season. Are you on my side? Are you on our side? Are you on the side of our adversaries? This is a fair question. Um, you know, we have, we have uh, someone who's deploying in the military soon. We have veterans here who have been in the military. <laughs> and when somebody comes up to you in a context, in a context where you're preparing for battle and, and you don't know the person, you're going to talk to them. As long as they're willing to talk, I suppose. <laughs> right? So we ask our question. Now, how do we know that this is our question? The disciples kind of asked the same question in Acts 1. They're with the risen Christ on the Mount of Olives, and their question is, Oh Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This is what we want. Are you on our side? A little more depressive orientation, Elijah? You know, Elijah gets is tired. He's in transition. He's burdened. He's just outrun a chariot, but he feels all alone. This is, Lord, do my thing. Do my thing. Just let me die. I'm okay here. Job gets himself into a situation 
where he starts to try to interrogate God, and that doesn't last very long. And we know why he feels that. What, what we have to understand is these people are like us because they're human beings, and they already love God. And they're in times of deep transition and deep burden. And they ask. And God responds. So Joshua has this encounter with the commander of the Lord's army, and it's a personal encounter. If I ask you to write down, what days have you had what you know to be a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you for your testimony necessarily about just when you maybe came to Jesus Christ, when he brought you to himself, when you repented of your sin, confessed your guilt before him and were forgiven by him and know that you have been forgiven. Do you have any other times? You see, we have an everyday walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and we know him. And that's a lot like the first conversation that Joshua had where God is saying, be strong and very courageous. And we're reading his word. But there are days, and I hope you've had some, and I pray that you will if you haven't, where Christ makes his presence known to us personally. This is personal. And if you're thinking about COVID, it's okay to take it personally and to take it to God personally. Why is this happening? What's happening? So the commander of the Lord's army comes right back in and he says, so, so he just says no, right? That's kind of a non sequitur to the question. It kind of destroys the question. Are you for us or against us? Almost like he's a TV, you know, a TV debater or commentator. Give me an answer. Here's the question. Give me the answer. He says, no. No. But I am the commander of the Lord's army. Now, if we don't get anything else out of this text, we need to know personally that God rules personally, in our lives and in the lives of all peoples. And his agenda is being executed in the world today. Not only in his church, but in every nation and people and language. God has an agenda. It's certain. Its outcome is certain. Every play is scripted. And well executed. And will be. There's no, net, there's no nonsense about me coming up with my own agenda and then asking God to bless it. That is, not, that is not what it means to be under Christ. To be under his word. Oh, we're always trying to figure that out, but we're listening all the time. What is the Savior saying to us? But who is he, this commander of the Lord's army? Well, um, we have th- uh, theology, theologians here, uh, and, and I'm going to give you some terminology. If you're unfamiliar with it, that's okay. You can ask Dr. Watt uh, or, or any other uh, Bible profs, and they would love to talk to you about this. 
Um, the technical term is this is a theophany. And you don't need to write that down, and it's not going to be on the test. It's a theophany. I like to think of it as a, um, an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. It's really Jesus Christ, but it's before his incarnation, and he's really appearing as a man. And don't ask me how that works. I don't understand it, but it happens over and over again in the scriptures, and I believe the scriptures to be completely real and true. Um, and that's the point at which I turn you over to the, to the theologians. Uh, you could even ask Pastor Titus. He should have a good answer to that question. So the last thing I want to look at is Joshua's response. Joshua's response. Let me summarize and then unpack it a little bit. Joshua worships. Do you want to know what I was made by God for? Let me tell you, I know exactly what I was made by God to do. And it's not being president of Geneva College. I was made by God to worship him. You are made by God to worship him in the way that Joshua worships here. Notice he is not seated in a church. He is in a battle situation. And he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ face to face in person. There's nothing magical about the encounter. He hears his voice say, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Now I have come. Take off your sandals. And Joshua knew the Bible. And as he heard the commander of the Lord's army say, take off your sandals. He knew the rest of the statement. And he was on his face, not cowering. Not cowering. He wasn't afraid that God was going to kill him. He was simply acknowledging as a creature and as a redeemed person Under God, the glory of God that demands our worship. So when you go and you're in classes and you're talking about calling, and you go and you're at the uh, uh, Center for Calling and Career, you're, you're thinking about those things. Those are really important questions, and I want to push you on those questions. But I want you to know that the, there are clear answers already in place about why we exist and about what our life in eternity will be. And that is a constant act of worship. He gets up off the ground. And Joshua knows that he can speak to this man. And he asks him a question, and he asks them our question. 
What's your word to your servant? What do you have to say to your servant? All of a sudden, the question changes. And it's a question that's submitted to God's rule and God's will. And so he says, what will you say? Can you hear that in Samuel? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Can you hear it in Isaiah? Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. So he asks. And then he listens. And he listens to the voice of the commander of the Lord's army. And he does what he says. Take off your sandals. Now, right after this passage, the commander continues to give him, he gives him the battle plan for Joshua, right? He didn't give him the song at that time, I don't think, because the battle wasn't over yet. It's a great song, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Scripture gets into all kinds of good places culturally, and that's one of the best. So, uh, big band version, I prefer. But uh, at, at any rate, he gives him the battle plan, and then he goes and does exactly what the commander of the Lord's army says. And this, in real simple terms, is our response. What's our response? One, we recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. We recognize that who he is is our master and our commander. And he gives us really clear directions here. These are basics. Right? These are basics that play out differently in every one of our lives, in every one of our generations. But they're the same questions. One, worship. Number two, ask. Ask. What's your word? How would you lead us? We're asking that all the time here at the college, aren't we? How will we make it? Show us the path. Guide us. And he will, and he does, and he has. Because of who he is. You don't even have to get the question exactly right. So we worship, we ask, then we listen. And we obey. And the obedience is not the obedience to a rule book for rules, purposes, so we can get in good with God. Because of Christ, we're already in good with God. We obey out of faith. So today, I want you to take courage. I want you to be strong and very courageous. It's not a pep talk. I know how to give a pep talk. This is not a pep talk. This is from the word of God. God said only be strong and courageous and very courageous to Joshua when he was a time in a time of transition and burden. And we have heavy hearts. We have heavy hearts. Students, faculty and staff, we haven't been through this before. We're in the fog. It's burdensome for us. Don't pretend it's not. And when we ask the question, what's going to happen next? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We know what's going to happen in eternity. We know how it ends up. We know we're going to get home. But in this fog, it's hard for us to see. And so what I want to encourage you to do 
is rest in Christ the way Joshua was resting. Take off your sandals and worship. And ask. And listen. And then keep moving in the fog. God has prepared us for this. He knew what was coming. He's the good shepherd. In the scripture, shepherd and ruler is a common, means, means a very similar thing. Rulers of those ages were called shepherds. When you read Psalm 23, don't just think of somebody lost in the mountains with some sheep. He will sustain us. He is sustaining us. And I want to leave you with this one thought. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will provide a way out. Temptation also is used in the scripture to mean trial and testing and proving. It is not just about besetting sins. And the blessing of this verse in this context is, to me, is this. I have never, you have never been tempted beyond what you can bear. We are not. You're allowed to say, I feel like this is more than I can handle. You're allowed to say that. That's not, that's not like imp- impious or something. But here's the reality. No. No. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Now I have come. I will bear your burdens. I have already borne them. And I will help you bear these burdens. And when you feel like you can't take another step, of course we can't. But Christ is alongside of us. And he will walk it with us. And let us both be encouraged and encourage one another with his strength and his goodness. Please pray with me. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we claim you as the master and commander of our hearts and our lives, of our bodies and souls. And we ask, Lord, that you would uphold us. Lord, we pray that you would sustain us and that you would give us the strength for this day and tomorrow to rely on you and look to you. Thank you for the goodness of your word and the greatness of your love towards us. In Christ we pray. Amen.